Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at helpforourheroes.com. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those that suffer from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Their program features first responders and veterans helping first responders and veterans. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Calling us from Florida, we have former St. Louis County police officer Ken Dye on the phone. He's also an author of a lot of books. We'll talk about that in a moment. Ken, thanks so much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Very much appreciated. Well, uh, thanks for having me, Jay. I, uh, I appreciate it. How many books have you written now since you've left law enforcement? Well, I've written uh, five total. Uh, my last one was one about the Bi-State Strangler. It's a story about a sexually deprived psychopath that uh, preyed on America's most vulnerable drug-addicted sex workers. And he um, worked a stroll. He's kind of a clean-cut guy, smooth type. The girls hopped in the car with him, and that's the last time they saw him. That's, um, is that yep. based on fact, or is that uh, a fiction novel based on fact? No, that's that's fact. The whole thing is fact. Uh, it was uh, a friend of mine who was a captain of the uh, Crimes Against Person unit in the uh, city of St. Louis. I was a county cop, but he was a city cop. We became great friends when he was a detective in the intelligence unit, and I was working narcotics. He ran that case, and I was at a function that he has every Christmas. And I said, you know what, Harry? Harry Hager is the guy's name. He says, that's a story that needs to be told. And he says, okay. And so I got the murder book from him and uh, a lot of information, and uh, I sat down and kind of put it all together. And it should be hitting the Amazon and Barnes & Noble books a million websites here in the next uh, day or so. And what's Hopefully. the name of that book again? Uh, the Bi-State Strangler. The Bi-State Strangler. And you also have several other books. Uh, where can people get information about you? Well, 
I, I do have. I have four other books. Uh, the first one was A Shadow of the Arch, and that was just, it, what, it's kind of funny how that thing evolved. Um, I came home from one of those functions, uh, and I'd taken a, a civilian position in Chicago, and I kept telling my wife these stories, and she said, stop, I've heard all these things. Sit down, put them on paper. So I sat down, and one one chapter flowed into the next. Next thing you know, you got a book. And people were calling me and uh, texting me and uh, Facebooking me and all that business about, hey, why don't you guys write another one? So I wrote Beyond the Shadow of the Arch. And then this uh, Michael Brown thing came along. When I first saw that, he was shot on the 9th of August. And um, that thing came along, and I just couldn't believe the garbuns I was hearing on the radio and uh, TV about all this stuff. And, and so I said, let me take a look at this. So I called some friends of mine, guys that, that were detectives and sergeants with me were, were bosses, and I called them, what the is going on up there? So they were telling me, and then I um, talked to the chief, Tom Jackson, who he and I worked together on the, on the county police department, and he retired as a captain, took over as a chief of Ferguson, and that whole thing was a mishmash. Um, the, the, these gangsters that didn't see anything, they controlled the world at their fingertips with their texts, and they were saying all kinds of silly stuff. You know, he had his hands up, he's saying, don't shoot. I saw a cop sand over and empty the clip into his head. There were no head shots. They were all frontal shots. And he had a little partner who um, claimed that Darren Wilson, the police officer, pulled up and reached out of the car and grabbed Mike Brown by his the nap of his neck and, and his shirt. And there was a, he, he called it a tug of war. But lo and behold, none of Darren Wilson's um, DNA was on Michael Brown's shirt. However, and so much of the facts of that case got totally misconstrued by the news media. Oh, it did. It did. Way, way out of whack. Yeah, and uh, it, it, what's me... you're saying is, I, I remember watching football, NFL, and I believe it was St. Louis Rams at the time, coming out with their hands up in the air. And that was never the case of what occurred in that incident, ever. Never. Never at all. But that's a lie that continues on. See, there's an old saying uh, I've seen in the media. If you tell a lie often enough, it becomes a truth. And that's all people realize. That's all they'll ever think of. And with Michael Brown and Ferguson, that's all I ever hear, even to this day. Even it's been, been disproven many times over. Well, if somebody tells you that, you can look them dead in the eye and say they're full of baloney. Yeah. Well, before we do this, I don't want to get lost in that conversation. We could have a whole show uh, about that. Bird's eye view, tell people start to finish about your law enforcement career. Sure. Jay, I uh, finished my time in the Army with an all-expenses-paid tour to Vietnam. I uh, came back and picked up where I left off. I was ready to go to the police academy right before I got drafted. I was thinking, well, maybe they forgot about me. No, they didn't. And so um, after I got out of the military, I became a St. Louis County police officer and was assigned to patrol, and I was pretty active. I made a lot of self-initiated arrests and stuff like that. And 
there was a lieutenant that was starting a new unit called Tactical Operations, and we did SWAT and uh, work two-man unmarked cars in high-crime areas. And uh, we made a lot of pinches. Our job was to get guns and drugs off the street because, contrary to what all the liberal media tells you, any time you take a gun off the street, you pretend, you prevent a potential homicide or a shooting. And uh, we'd, we'd, we'd rack them up. And so uh, I uh, was transferred to narcotics and spent five years there of heads-up, hard-working, hard-charging police work. It consisted of uh, buying drugs in an undercover capacity and working your way up the line. As, as you're well aware, we can, we can go from a street corner punk to a, to a big dealer out in L.A. or Atlanta, Chicago, yeah. someplace like and that. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Ken Dye. Ken is a former St. Louis County police officer. He's also the author of numerous books. One of the questions I get all the time is how can I show my support for law enforcement? Well, we're all busy, but there's something very simple you can do with Facebook. When you see a post that you agree with, that you like, share it to your page. It's just that simple. Think of it this way. Facebook has about 2 billion registered users worldwide, so you can make a difference. And one of the best places to find great posts about law enforcement our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We come back and talk about capturing a serial killer. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We will be back in just a moment. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Return conversation with Ken Dye. Ken is a former St. Louis County police officer. He's also the author of numerous books. Was it five books altogether, Ken? Yeah, five all total. And your latest book is The Bi-State Killer, correct? Well, The Bi-State Strangler. Strangler. Here's something... I get a lot of people ask about this. And my wife, God bless her, she is so fascinated with serial killers. As a matter of fact, she's making me watch reruns of Dexter again. Oh, God. And, and, but people ask me all the time as if it's something you come across a lot in police work. I never encountered a, a, a serial killer in my law enforcement career. I know some officers who have. 
uh, and I do know this, they're very difficult to catch. Primary reason is most of the time you have a homicide, it's with someone or by someone you know that's close to you. With serial killers, it's stranger on stranger, which makes it really hard. Really tough. That's a that's a tough one. That's a tough nut to crack, Jay. It's random, and it's you know you, you can't track the victims' um, activities back to and, and narrow narrow your suspects down to two or three, and then through interrogation and further investigation, you can you can wrap a, a good homicide up in like they say forty eight hours. The right. first forty eight hours very important, and you work them real hard. But uh, this guy was a sexual psychopath he did 15 years in missouri penitentiary for an armed robbery he had a armed robbery cases uh, that was put on him by the county police he would hold up shoe stores for some reason and got caught and then he wrote a bunch of letters to his congressman or his mother did and he had all the pastors sign things for him oh he's a good boy and all that jazz but uh, it fell on deaf ears, and he did his time. And when he was released, he would get he would violate his parole by dropping a dirty urine, and the killings would stop for about six months. And the uh, members of the Bi-State uh, Strangler Task Force would wonder what in the happened. Speculation was that he moved, uh, he's dead, he's in jail, and um, it turned out that he was in the can. So... He what, would, when did uh, this occur? What time period? Uh, we're 2000 to 2002. Okay, and you say by state, so I mean, it's two states? Yes, Illinois and St. Louis. It's um, funny, well, I've I'm never... Sorry, Illinois and Missouri. I've never heard of the this, this guy, but that's not unusual because there are, believe it or not, folks, there are far more serial killers out there than most people realize. I've read uh, as, as many as 50 at a time operating, and they may go many, many years and stay dormant and then pop back up again. Yes, that's, uh, that's true. They can, uh, they can uh, lay dormant. Uh, probably a real good example is the uh, Golden State Killer. Yeah. And uh, he turned out to be an ex-cop, uh, by the way. Ex-cop, you bet. Yeah. And, uh, here's, here's a term I know you're going to appreciate. People, latest, there's very few things I'll correct people about. I'm retired. I got hurt and retired at the ripe old age of 33. Uh, you have retired police. You have former, meaning former they left on their own for whatever reason they served honorably admirably and you have ex ex police are people who are fired or quit under pressure and they didn't serve admirably uh, if someone calls me ex police i always correct them this guy the gold state killer was ex police i thought he left under a cloud i, I couldn't recall that but he, he he was into the triple digits almost wasn't yeah. he he was he he and just to, to make a long story short, he was a rapist. Uh, he would break into houses. He would make the, the male counterpart watch. He'd subdue them. He'd tie them up. He'd torture the female, and then he started killing them. And uh, that was that went on for a long time. And they tracked him all up and down the west coast of California, and then finally apprehended the guy based off DNA. Uh, I believe it was like through uh, Ancestry and Me or one of them. And they yep. said, hey, let's go further. And they narrowed it down to a relative that had that DNA. And then they got actual DNA, compared it. Boom, he's in jail. Good place for him uh, yeah. other than the death chamber. But I don't know if California's death chamber is going to ever operate again. Well, one of the things that, 
that's also a question she answers asks me quite often, and she knows the answer now. But a lot of people are anti-gun in the United States. I'm not one of them. I'm not a big gun person. I just have them from police work. But I tell them the number one weapon for murder in the United States is hands. Is people, especially for serial killers, there's something about them where they love to strangle their victim. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You're absolutely correct. As a matter of fact, the bi-state strangler uh, would secure these women in his basement. Uh, cops called it Chamber of Horrors. Uh, and he, he had plans to build a two-person cell in his basement. Uh, it's, it's outlined in the book. And um, he had a, a backpack that he would carry with him if he didn't want to take the uh, victims back to his house, and he'd take them over to the uh, East St. Louis side on, on Illinois and kill them, or take them out to a rural area in Missouri and kill them. And the cops called it the kill kill, kill kid. Had uh, duct tape, handcuffs, uh, ligatures, that type of thing. We used evil, to call them rape evil. kits, and when yeah. you counter some of that, that's a bad news person. That's a bad news guy. It's kind of interesting how he got caught, Jay. He was so puffed up with his own non-self-importance that he wrote uh, a letter to a, a St. Louis Post-Dispatch reporter that said, uh, if you publish this, I'll, I'll tell you, this is number 17, I'll, publish, I'll show you where many more are. And it had a map with an X on it. And he had taken the computer printout and snipped the the numbers and, and things like that off of the uh, side and the bottom of the uh, map portion. Of course, he didn't realize it was stored in a server somewhere. And he mailed it to this uh, reporter who immediately called uh, Harry Hager, the um, captain who was in charge of the investigation. And he got the uh, cyber crimes guys on it, and they tracked it down through a series of, uh, you know, Microsoft, UUNet, blah, 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 and they found out where it was, and they, they, they got on him right away and um, got the search warrants, and they said the upstairs, the upstairs of that house was just slick as a whistle, clean, looked like something out of Better Homes and Gardens, and then when they went down to the basement, he had that, and I know you're familiar with it, the, uh, the odor of death yes. and um, blood and all that business. One of the things that that uh, is kind of um, ironic in this, uh, the cop showed him a, uh, a series of photographs of uh, the dead victims, and he said, "I don't know any of them women." Only when he didn't say that, but and then he they were questioning him a little longer, and he said, "Let me see, let me see the picture of them dead dead uh, hoes again," and they both look at him and say. Travis, nobody said they were dead. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Ken Dye. Ken is a former St. Louis County police officer, also author of many books, including his latest, The Bi-State Strangler. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We have a new podcast. It's called True Crime Fighters Podcast. 
Yes, it's another true crime podcast, but a little bit different. There's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories, but very little is told of the heroes that fight horrific crime, whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens. We tell their stories on the True Crime Fighters podcast. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters podcast, subscribe today, or check us out on Facebook. Do a search for True Crime Fighters. Current conversation with Ken Dye on the Law Enforcement Show. Ken is a former St. Louis County police officer, and he's also the author of, I think, five books. The most recent is The Bi-State Strangler, which is basically a true story about this man. How many people did he kill during his reign of terror? Jay, we know 17 for sure. Uh, that was number number 17 was on the uh, map that he drew and sent to the post-dispatch reporter. However, the limited autopsy that the medical examiner did said that she was out there from between nine to nine months to a year. So this guy was pretty active. He was killing a person every two to three weeks, probably closer to two weeks towards the end there. So, you know, you can only speculate because he didn't, he almost, almost came across and says, come on, I'll show you where it is. And when he got close to the turn off, he says, no, take me to jail. And um, it's merely speculation. It should be 50 or so. The thing is, there's so many bodies with some of these people. And I know, I know listeners are fascinated by that. And I understand they're curious. But number one, I don't want to say his name. People want to get his name, they can read in the book. But I think of people like Ted Bundy. I think of other ones, and they have horrific body counts. And I don't think Ted's was, well, maybe he was 30 or more. But it sounds like your, your guy, the bi-state strangler, could have been at least that many. And I've never heard of the guy. Well, that's one of the reasons I uh, thought that story needed to be told, Jay. He was very active. He was he he preyed on society's most vulnerable. These women do anything for a crack rock, and uh, unfortunately, um, but it's the way they wound up. I'm sure they never thought that they'd wind up um, a sex worker and a drug dependent. They probably had dreams to be teachers and lawyers and all that business yeah just and never, you don't never expect matured that. well the thing is those people and in policing i had a great relationship with believe it or not drug dealers got to know a lot of them they knew me on my post because they saw me all the time we'd arrest them it wasn't always a fight it wasn't always controversial or um uh, where we're at each other's throats but prostitutes and homeless people and people with drug and alcohol problems were great sources of information. We saw them every day. And the truth is, if the victims of the Bi-State Strangler had been socialites, everybody would have known. Amen, brother. Amen. True enough. And for the police, people love to think that, well, they didn't push it hard because she was a prostitute. Or they didn't care because he was a, a, a drug addict and homeless. For the police to investigate these murders, we take them all seriously. We really push as far as we can go till the evidence runs out. Uh, and we don't push any harder than the politically red balls, we would call them, where it's socialites or someone that's important. The newspaper thought we did. The city council did. Everybody else did. But the cops, it's the same. It's a body. And we want to find out who killed them. 
Very true. I've had uh, people come up to me, what, what are you guys looking into this for? Just another murder. So, no, no, you don't go killing folks. Nobody does. No. Without us looking at them. Are you nuts? <laughs> and to, to add to your point, Jay, if I may, not all your interactions with criminals are confrontational right. as, they, as they're de- depicted on uh, the mass media. You know, these uh, junkies and, and hookers and, and all this other business, you know, they're great sources of information. And um, uh, we sure used them, yeah. both of us, I'm sure. I've had, I've had streetwalkers back me up in brawls where people that, they're like, hey, Wagali's good police. He'll take care of you. He he treats you respect. You know, he's stern but fair and all that stuff. And I and I remember situations where I've been fighting someone, and it was one of those streetwalkers. And most of the the sex workers in Baltimore weren't female. They may have been dressed that way, but they were men. Yes, of course, yeah. And and don't be fooled in thinking they can't fight. <laughs> I'll put tell people oh, right don't now. Don't be fooled. Yeah. yeah. When they finally caught uh, the bi-state strangler, he was saying that uh, you know one, one of those gals put up a pretty good fight, but he was just too strong. Well, come on. Yeah. Uh, it, look, he, there's something you know, about it, them that it, they just don't. They're so outside the norm. And I, I, this is a question I get. How do you think like a killer? Well, I can think like someone who loses it. I can think like someone who murders out of greed or other motivations but people who do it like you said a psycho sexual psychopath or whatever he was i can't think like that it's tough to it's it's tough to put your uh, put yourself in their shoes but you know these guys delve pretty deep into it uh, they had uh, profilers from quantico come out and they had uh, you know professors looking at this and giving them all kinds of information it was just going nowhere and it you mentioned a good point g i want to dwell on for just a moment um nobody nobody gives it harry hager the guy that started this bi-state strangler task force he was transferred from a pretty hot district the seventh district to uh, downtown as the commander of the uh, crimes against person and he was just getting in his car one morning to drive into work and he heard of a found body come over the radio and it was in an area where it was in his old district so he drove over there and there was this lady laying there and and uh, she had a tire print on her lower leg and he thought hmm so he went he went back to the office and he asked the homicide commander hey we get I've been hearing about these dead women popping up. He said, and the um, homicide commander told him, yeah, a lot of agencies from East St. Louis on the east side and some from St. Charles County and um, around the area here have been calling us about uh, fingerprints. We've identified, uh, you know, seven or eight so far. And Harry Hager said, tomorrow, reach out to every one of those units, have them have a presence here tomorrow at 2 o'clock. And boom, that started the Bi-State Strangler Task Force, and they finally caught the I'm so glad they did. And if you're in communication with any of those people involved, please tell them I said thank you. Uh, One of the things that people don't get is I remember being a young patrolman, and I was given my first post by my sergeant. And before that, you you floated. You went from post to post to post. And it, it was a big deal. 
he said, if I pull up and I point to someone, you don't know who they are, whether good guy, bad guy, where they live, who their parents are. You're not doing your job. And I'll find someone who can. So when someone committed a murder, even with the someone who was the most at risk on my post, we took it personal. It became, how dare you do that to someone I'm charged with for protecting? I know that sounds corny. I know it sounds like a truth, justice, the American way thing. But the truth is, that was our reality. That's not corny, Jay. That's for you that's and the I. Way it not. is. You yeah. take it personal. For you and I, it's not. But people who are listening that don't understand police go, yeah, right. Well, then they've never stood in our shoes, and they they have no concept of this of police work and police operations and activities, except the mind-numbing dribble that you see on TV. And really, that's the extent of what it is. It's gotten to the point where. I've told people this many times. My wife and I will watch BBC Network uh, out of England uh, television shows about policing because, number one, they do a better job of character development. They actually tell, in my opinion, a better story about who the individual is, what their life is like, on the job, off the job, where America is full of stereotypes. And going back to the conversation about Michael Brown, when they hear these stereotypes enough, it becomes reality. Uh, here's a great example. I can tell you without fail, almost any cop show or movie, they're going to have one Irish Catholic guy like me who's a knockdown, drag out drunk, who can't get along with anybody, who's got nothing but IID numbers. And those guys are the exception to the rule. This is the Law Enforcement Day Show. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, Click like and follow. That's click like and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Are you buried in credit card debt or student loan debt? Learn how to reduce your debt to a fraction of what you owe. Call now for free advice, 800-709-4389. 800-709-4389. That's 800-709-4389. This is Law Enforcement Show. I'm John J. Wiley, retired Baltimore Police Sergeant, and I'm joined by special guest Ken Dye, former St. Louis County police officer and author of five books. Most recent is The Bi-State Strangler. We've talked so much about serial killers and uh, The Bi-State Strangler in particular, Ken. I do appreciate you shedding some light on this very difficult to understand subject. Uh, we took all murders seriously. We took all rapes seriously and did our best to solve every one of them that we could. And I can tell you right now, there's cases that if I went on Facebook, on the Law Enforcement Radio Show Facebook page, and said such and such's name, there'd be cops I worked with in Baltimore who'd be like, why'd you have to bring that up? <laughs> they, like, we, we know who did it, we could never prove it. And, and they're still bothered by it, and that was 30 years ago. Your police career, is there something in your career that kind of motivated you to say, hey, I really want to write about this true crime type stories? 
Well, Jay, it, it, it kind of came about as a fluke. Um, I went to one of the, I, I was working in Chicago as a, for Ralston Purina as an area security manager, and um, but my heart has always been in police work. And um, I go down to uh, St. Louis for these uh, Christmas parties, and uh, these guys are telling these stories. You know, cops got stories and funny stories, and they're hilarious. And I just write these little things down and stick them into my pocket on a three by five card. And I got home and and um, I just started sat down one day and started writing. And one chapter flowed into the next. Next thing you know, I got a book called The Shadow of the Arch. And uh, my wife was real concerned about it. So, oh, don't don't put a picture of the arch in there. And, you know, those guys are going to come after you and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, dear, don't worry about it. Because, you know, their lifestyle is such that they don't live that long. The junkies and right. the, uh, the hookers and, the you know, the drug dealers and that kind of thing. So It's a short lifespan. They don't live long at all. And the ones that do are usually incarcerated. And that's why they're living. And, uh, yeah, that's true. And uh, so anyway, um, I finished that and put it out on the market, and it sold pretty good. And, and friends were calling me, just like you said, you know, cops cops that I didn't know. They'd look me up on uh, Facebook or something, and, and they'd say, hey, man, uh, keep uh, this character and lose this character and all that stuff. And, and uh, so I said, okay. And I... You know, there's always enough cop stories to go around. So I just started writing about a another, um, wrote another book called Beyond the Shadow of the Arch. And this one centered around a group called the Moorish Science Temple of America in Chicago. They're called the Orukans. And, and these, these were like Murder Incorporated. And they were the central focus of the investigations wrapped around these two detectives and uh, went from there. And then the... Uh, Right after that, right after that got published, these uh, uh, Michael Brown was uh, shot by Darren Wilson in a justified shooting and uh, a justified use of force. And I wrote about that and wrote about the fallacies and the inconsistencies and the the truth of the matter, including the DNA, um, the DNA matches or mismatches. And, and uh, Darren Wilson had. Michael Brown's DNA on his pants, on his gun, and on his shirt. And I, the only thing I can think of, that his DNA was on his gun, trying to get the gun, was to kill a police officer. And after that one, there was um, a friend of mine told me about a St. Louis cop that uh, won the Medal of Valor five times. Five No one's ever done that before. And I called him and says, hey, I'd like to do a story about you. And uh, that was my fourth book. It's called What Price Valor? He was very valorous and uh, earned all five of those uh, medals of honor, medals of valor. However, along with that comes a lot of uh, mental baggage. A lot of scars, physical and otherwise. Uh, yeah, a lot of scars. And, uh, you know, he turned to, to liquor and... and uh, I, I stay up with him, and he's he's got it he's got it together now. Do me a favor if you talk to him, give him my contact info. I'd love to to, to have him on the show. To, to to be able to talk to someone that's been decorated with five medals of valor, it, it's something that doesn't happen often. And I'll be honest with you, Ken. One of the problems I think we have with policing nowadays is something we've kind of self inflicted. 
we've gone about this where we, we don't celebrate our heroes. We don't we were so busy doing lip sync and dancing videos to win public's appeal that we didn't celebrate when men and women stood in hostile fire and took care of business and, and paid a heck of a price physically, mentally, their families pay for it as well. And we started saying things like, hey, I'm not a hero, I just doing my job. Truth is, these men and women are heroic. They are heroic. They're very heroic. And I certainly agree with you about the lip-syncing things on YouTube. What good did it do? Look what's going on now. Give me a break. Will you go... Uh, you know that that's that's just so disgusting. If we're going to do lip sync videos, that's great. We we had a character in Baltimore called Officer Friendly that that people say, "Are you Officer Friendly?" I'd say it depends on you. Uh, you know, <laughs> that, that's the truth. Yeah, I'm a friendly okay. guy. I'm a very nice guy. But if you're threatening me with physical harm, you're going to see a totally different side of me. Yeah, there's a big storm going to be re- released on you very shortly. There, yeah, Leroy. And that's just so the way things up work. I right, yeah, it, it, it's. Look, it's not personal. What's the old saying, especially in crime movies? It's not personal; it's business. You put your hands on me. You say you're gonna you're gonna punch me, you're gonna kill me, something like that. I'm gonna fight you like you're you're serious. And that's what I had to do. And when you do that, here's a great example, Ken. We did a drug raid one time, and I hit the door. I was the lead guy, and the the guy we did it usually in the morning, but this time it's in the afternoon. He's wide awake. He went running for his bedroom. He tried to shut the door behind him. I knew that was a bad idea. He had dove over the bed because I kicked the door in, almost like Superman style, and was reaching on the side of the bed. He was coming up with a nickel-plated 45 Thompson replica submachine gun. And let me tell you, I would have done anything at that point to win. Thankfully, I did, but all of it was ugly. And people who judge from the outside will never understand what that's like. Uh, Jay, any use of force is not pretty. No. But however, that's why you have a gun. That's why you have pepper spray and a taser. And you used to have a nightstick. I don't know what they we have did. now. Yeah, I'm an old revolver uh, maybe, cop. Maybe a little. But uh, it's it's not pretty. And you're right. You, it, when it's you or them, it's it's going to be. I, I'm going home. That's exactly Get my right. honey on the butt and get a cold. That's exactly right. I want to. Give people a chance to get more information about you, your books. Where can they go online for more information? Well, I uh, I write a blog that's called Cops Perspective, and I post it on Law Enforcement Today, one of the finest law enforcement uh, things out there. And I uh, I post it on a number of law enforcement po- uh, groups, and um, I also feature my books on there. And I uh, you can check uh, my books out at amazon.com barnesandnoble.com peppertreepress.com and uh, at finer pubs and bookstores in the St. Louis area I would do what I do just do a google search for Ken K-E-N die D-Y-E Ken thanks so much for being a guest on Law Enforcement Show very much appreciated my pleasure Jay and I'll be talking to you soon I hope one of the questions I get all the time is how can I show my support for law enforcement? Well, we're all busy. You probably can't go to a protest march. You probably can't go pick it somewhere. But there's something very simple you can do with Facebook. When you see a post that you agree with, that you like, share it to your page. 
It's just that simple. Think of it this way. Facebook has about 2 billion registered users worldwide. So you can make a difference. And one of the best places to find great posts about law enforcement, our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. And when you see posts that you like, you agree with, especially episodes of the radio show and podcast, be sure to share it on your social media. Again, do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. And then show your support by sharing. If you haven't done so already, please download our app. It's 100% free. We got versions for your Android and iPhone devices, 100% free. You can download them today at our website, which is letradioshow.com. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.